Jesse Skulls from VH1's Rock of Love. And this is Talk of Love, the new podcast. This isn't just reality, this is real life. Hey everyone, it's Lacey motherfucking Skulls. And this is Talk of Love, episode 33. So I'm really excited for my next guest, uh, Safari. She's going to be on in a few minutes. Uh, before I bring her on, though, I actually want to talk to you guys about something actually related to these shows. <laughs> um, so I've mentioned this a, a few times now. I have been doing reaction videos for Rock of Love and for Charm School. And right now I'm halfway through Charm School. And it's kind of cool because it's, it's giving me the opportunity to rewatch these shows and, um, you know, of course, I've watched them. I, I lived them. But, you know, it's, I feel like every time I watch it, I always notice something different, something new that I didn't notice before, you know? So in doing these reaction videos, we just, I just did the episode of Charm School with Sharon Osbourne where um, the girls were divided into two groups. And we were introduced to all these different musicians, singers, bass players, drummers. And we had to form our band and then uh, have the band perform, and then we had to dress them, and we had to choose a song, and then uh, had to have band practice, and then whoever's band won, you know, th those girls were safe from expulsion. So that was the episode that I just watched. And if you guys remember that, uh, there was, um, the other team was, let's see, it was Heather, and it was, um, let's see, who else was on that team? Well, let's just kind of focus on Heather for a second, because she, it, it was her team, and she was the one that was in charge of um, dressing her singer. Her singer's name was Mora, and they had her do, I don't think it was a national anthem. It was like America the Beautiful. It was some patriotic song they had her sing. And she, her name was Mora. She was an incredible, incredible singer. She had a great voice. And it's funny because I was just watching this back, and I, I forgot how talented this girl truly was. I mean, she was really had a huge range, um, a lot of vocal control. She was just an incredible singer, beautiful girl. I was really, really impressed with her talent. So. Um, as I said, she was um, Heather's team was in charge of um, getting her dressed and getting her band uh, to perform well. And I guess Heather, uh, the outfit that she chose for her singer Mora was an ill-fitted outfit. And they had her wear this um, onesie that was kind of like this, um, almost like an Army-Navy kind of looking thing. And it was a couple of sizes too small. And some of the girls were uh, just mortified and were referring to her outfit and to her as camel toe. Now, I remember the first time I watched this, I, I, I remember like thinking it was, because I wasn't there when the whole camel toe conversation was happening. But watching it back, I was like, wow, this is really brutal. But of course, it was like, it was funny, you know. And, um, but watching it again, I, I really, really felt horrible for this girl, um, Mora. And, you know, of course, like the whole thing was funny and the camel toe thing was funny. But like when you take that out of it and go, this is a human being who had no idea that that was going to happen. You know, from her perspective, if you think about it, she probably got a call from the production company. Hey, do you want to come on, be on the show? It's Sharon Osbourne and, and you're going to get to sing and do your thing. And she probably was like really excited about it as anybody would be. And she, I'm sure she probably told all her friends and she probably thought maybe this being, you know, uh, uh, singing and, and showing my abilities on this huge, you know, nationally aired, internationally aired television show. Maybe it can get me a record deal. I mean, who knows exactly what she was thinking, but I'm sure she was very excited. So, you know, when she went on there, she, she sang, she sang great. She did really, really well. 
She went home and then the first time she ever saw that that the show was being edited in a way to focus on the fact that her outfit was ill-fitted, that probably was when she got all her friends and family like, hey, let's watch me on TV. Oh my God, you know? I mean, it was brutal. It was brutal. And when I watched that episode again, I, I couldn't help but feel just horrible for this girl. And, you know, some of you might be asking, well, like, well, Lacey, you were mean to girls too. Like, what, what is the difference? Like, why can you be mean to girls? But, you know, this, why do you feel sorry for this one? The difference is the girls that I gave a hard time to, we were in a competition and we all knew that we were in a competition. We were competing against each other. So I felt like everybody was fair game. We had all signed up to be in a competition competing against each other. This girl, that is not what she signed up for at all. You know, she's thinking she's going to go on here. She's going to sing her ass off. She's going to do a great job. And that's that. So um, the other thing too, that was really brutal is when she was singing and, and she had the outfit on, she was performing and the camera angle, I remember they were like down on the floor and listen, this would be an unflattering camera angle for anybody, but she was tapping her foot to the beat and they were like looking up her leg and, you know, it was just, it was brutal. Let's just leave it at that. It was fucking brutal. So I really felt sorry for this girl. And then also, if you remember, she was going through some issue with her brother. Her brother had been in the hospital and I guess people were afraid, the doctors were afraid that he might be paralyzed. She had been spending the night every night in the hospital and she was really, really um, upset about that, understandably so. So I was like, where is this girl? And what's going on with her? Because I feel like I have to apologize to her like on behalf of everybody involved in this scene happening so I tracked her down and I actually found her and I reached out to her and I said, hey, this is Lacey from Charm School and I want to talk to you about, about you know, your episode. And so she wrote me back and, and she was like, you know, I got to be honest with you. This is what she said. She's like, I, I was like, my heart started racing and pounding as soon as um, I saw it was you and I knew that you're going to ask me about this. But I basically just want to ask her, I just want to see if she was okay. I wanted to know, like, is her brother okay? Whatever happened with that? I wanted to know, is she still singing? Like, how did she handle that episode? It was so, so brutal. And she gave me a lot of information about basically just an update. And I just wanted to share that with you guys because I thought it was really interesting. Um, first of all, her brother did make a recover, a full recovery. He's doing, she said specifically her words were 95% recovered. So I'm not exactly sure what that means, but he's doing really well. And he actually um, films for television shows. He's a camera operator, I believe. Um, he does something involving um, production in TV, interestingly enough. Um, so he's doing really great. He, he did recover. She said that, um, yeah, when she watched that episode back, she was not expecting that. She was very, um, it was very upsetting to her. It was actually more than that. It was pretty traumatic for her. This poor girl, she said she actually didn't even know what a camel toe was, what that meant, what that slang term meant. Um, she said that she was went into a really, really dark depression for a very long time after that. She had eating disorders. Um, you know, she told me that when uh, Heather dressed her, she specifically asked Heather for a size nine. Heather brought her a size seven. That's a really big difference. Um, but she said she really, really, really struggled. It was humility, humiliating. It was embarrassing. Um, and she had a rough time with it for a very, very, very long time. And um, fortunately, though, over several years, she eventually did um, start feeling better about herself and she was able to let some of that stuff go. And she continued with her singing career. And I actually checked out some of her songs and they are amazing. She is such a great songwriter. Not only does she sing, but she plays the guitar. She plays keyboards. Like she is really, really talented. She has a, a song called, I believe it's called Army of What? Sorry, Army of One. 
we have so much smoke here in the air, so I'm like, can barely talk. Uh, Army of One, I believe is the name of the song. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to, um, I'm going to put her music up on my um, Instagram page, on the Talk of Love podcast Instagram page. I'm also going to put a link to it in the description because I want you guys to check it out because this girl is really talented and, I, and she got fucked, man. Like she, she really got fucked. She got, um, she didn't deserve that. Um, it, yeah, it was funny, but not at, at, it was just so brutal the way that they were with her. And it was just, it, it really like, it bothered me to be honest. I mean, you know, it just, it's one thing for like us girls, like we all know what we signed up for, but like that was not what she signed up for. This is a talented young lady and she was just humiliated on national television. It was just so unfair. So I, I just kind of wanted to like write that wrong and go like, look, this girl, she exists. She's still singing. She's still beautiful. She has an amazing voice. I want you guys to hear her music, not in the context of what Charm School did to her. So um, also, if you guys do end up finding her on social media or coming across, definitely give her a lot of love. Please don't mention any of the negative aspects specifically. She doesn't need any more reminders of like the horrors that she, uh, you know, the, the terrible hand she was dealt on um, Charm School. So don't mention the bad stuff. Only just tell her she's beautiful and she's talented and she has a beautiful singing voice and she's a great songwriter because she is definitely all of those things. So I just kind of wanted to, to write that wrong. And as I said, her brother is doing well. So I'm, I'm really happy for her. I'm happy for him. And um, I just thought you guys would be interested in hearing that update. So, all right, enough about that. Let's uh, change gears. I'm super stoked. I am bringing on one of my favorite characters from all these shows. You guys know her from Flavor of Love, Charm School with Monique, I Love Money. Please welcome Safari. Hey, Safari, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. I got to say, you look fantastic. I mean, you've always looked fantastic, but you always transform your look and you just look incredible. I can't believe it's been 10 years since you're on TV or more than that. Yeah, um, actually, I did the pilot for Flavor of Love. We actually did that back in 2005, I think it was. That is insane. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You look like you haven't even aged since then. You look so great. Thank you very much. You look good yourself, girl. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. How are you doing with all of the fires? Because you're in Los Angeles. I'm in Las Vegas and I've been like hacking all day today. The smoke is really getting to me. So I can only imagine for you. How are you doing and holding up? Well, it's like I'm in the valley. So it was like um, about a few days ago, the whole valley was like uh, reddish. It was like a reddish color, like an auburn, like uh, not quite as red as your hair, but like a little bit almost. And it was like, um, I have a firefighter that lives behind me. And he was like, he was deployed. He said there were fires in Pasadena and everything. So it was, it was bad. It looked like hell. Wow. It was looking like straight hell. <laughs> I am so sorry for everybody who lives there. Cause I got to say my husband and I left California a year ago to move to Las Vegas. And that was definitely one of the reasons why I left. Cause we've always had dogs and we've had to evacuate from wildfires so many times. And it's always just like really scary and unnerving. And then now you've got the air pollution issue. So I'm so sorry you're dealing with that. Yeah, it's bad. It was like, I was hacking and coughing and I was having to go, I had to go to the store. And I was like, please, people don't think I have COVID. <laughs> it's the fact that I'm breathing in the carbon monoxide along with the fire and the ash with this mask on. So yeah, yeah I don't have COVID. I'm always afraid. That's the, like one thing that is like so different about our society now versus a year ago. Like you go anywhere and you like start to cough. You're like, oh God, <laughs> hold it in as, high, as hard as you can. Your eyes are like watering. So people don't get angry at you. It's crazy times we live in. 
Extremely crazy. Extremely crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, outside of that, everything's been good with you lately. Are you still, I got to ask, are you still doing the, the lip chat? Clearly, because I, I brought mine with me. I got to say, I love this stuff because in Las Vegas, it's super, super dry here. And I've always been addicted to my lip balm anyway, but especially in Las Vegas. And um, I love it because it's all like the different like, flavors and, you know, um, I'm just really digging it. So I'm happy to see that you're still doing the lip chap. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like, I still scroll. Yes. Like I have mine right here. Nice. <laughs> I keep mine by um, my bedside. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and as you can see, mine is, this one is almost gone. <laughs> so, and, but yeah, lip chap. Definitely, definitely still doing lip chap. And got some big stuff coming with lip chap very soon. Yeah. Just waiting because things take longer than you think they're going to take. So, yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Is that like your main gig right now? Or is there other stuff that, you've, that you're doing, or at least since the show that you've been doing? Oh, my God. Yeah, this is not my only thing, but it's my main thing right now. It's like I'm really putting like a lot of effort into Lip Chat because I want it to be successful. I want it to be big. I see visions that are different or bigger. So I definitely put a lot of effort in it. But I also have a nonprofit as well. Oh, um, yeah. It's the Developmental Foundation and it's for um, young adults who have intellectual disabilities. And the reason that I started that is because of my daughter. My daughter has intellectual disabilities. So I just wanted to um, help people. I wanted to help them. And I, I know that working with her, there's a lot of different avenues, um, what you would call like um, alternative methods other than just medications. Mm -hmm. So yeah. That's what I've been working on. That's so great. That, that's really admirable. And I, I wish you all the, the success with that because it is frustrating. I feel like the school system, the public school system has this like one size fits all way of handling children and there are different um, ways of learning and there are different issues and it just, it doesn't work for everybody, you know? And then the ones that it doesn't work for, I feel like they get cast aside. So I think it's really important that um, what you're doing, that's so cool. Yeah, and not only that, there's um, I have other friends and uh, a couple of friends who have children who have autism and there's alternative methods other than just medication that actually work. And one of those methods are stem cells. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I just believe in that. And I think that, you know, um, you should try everything that's available so that people can have the best lives that they could possibly have. So that's one of the things that I, our foundation is going to definitely push forward to is alternative um, methods for that's people awesome. with intellectual disabilities. That's so cool. Oh, Good know. for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I'm like over here hacking. And <laughs> yeah. Um, my um, my uh, husband's cousin uh, is 18-year-old young man, and he has autism. And, and he's really the first person that I've come along, uh, that I've crossed paths with, that I've spent that much time with. He is such a cool dude, you know? He is, he's so bright and he's so nice and he's um, studying to be a veterinarian. He's like very, very passionate about it. And he's like, it, it's just, it's, you know, you can't dismiss these people. These are, these are great people who have a lot to contribute. You just have to put them in the right um, element that's going to help them thrive and, and flourish. So I think that's really cool. There's like a lot of things, but a lot of times what the uh, medical profession does is medicate. And medicating is not the answer. That's just, you know, subduing. You know what I'm saying? So we really want people to uh, explore life and have better, you know, better choices or better options. A lot of options because there's lots of options out there. 
Well, also, do they really even know the true long-term effect of some of these medications? Um, I know some of them are like, you know, medications like ADD and ADHD, like Ritalin, Adderall. Is that the same types of medication they give to people who are autistic or is it a little different than that? I'm actually, you'll have to educate me. I'm not familiar with, with this area. Well, um, I don't know exactly which medications they give people with um, autism, but I know people that have intellectual disabilities, a lot of times they give them psych medications. They give them, um, uh, you know, more like the Adderalls, the Ritalins, all that kind of stuff for for ADHD, but really it's not, you know what I mean? So the medications are just basically something that keeps people mellow, Mm. but at the same time, it it locks down the brain so that they don't get to um, function because half the time they're sleepy. Ah, half the time they're sleepy, so they don't get to learn. So that even pushes them back further than you know if maybe they weren't on. But with this is another thing a lot of people don't know. Usually with any type of um, mental intellectual disabilities, whether it's autism, um, just developmental disabilities, uh, cerebral palsy. Anything like that, there's usually some form of um, psychotic that goes with that. Some form of they're going to have to take some kind of a psych med. So in my mind, in from my own personal research, but I am not a doctor, but I am smart enough to read and gather information. It has to be some form, something in the brain that uh, disconnects. But the medication that they give you does not connect it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because if you're experiencing psychosis along with, it's always usually a dual diagnosis. It's never usually just, oh, they have autism. Oh, they have intellectual mm-hmm. disability. It's always, I mean, sometimes, but 90% of the time, it's a, a dual diagnosis. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, a lot. Yeah, that's crazy. So a lot of times when they see people who have a mental illness, a lot of times they have the other diagnoses as well. That totally makes sense. And I would imagine for a lot of parents, it gets to be overwhelming. And so it's great that you're providing them with, um, <clears throat> that you're providing them with options and, and education and saying, you know, it's not just like a one size fits all way of handling this. There are other ways. So I think that's really cool. Safari, I love that you're involved in that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. I'll put all the information uh, in the description of this and I'll, I'll get that from you one more time before I, before I go with you. But um I'll put it in the description so everybody can come check it out for themselves. All righty. Yeah. Well, let's get into Flavor of Love and all these shows because you you were one of the most active people of all the cast of all the shows. You did so much and you were definitely a fan favorite. Everybody really enjoyed you. I really enjoyed you. And um, you're just always so entertaining. So um, so I one thing that I read about you is that you had a little bit of an unusual way of um, getting cast for Flavor of Love. I guess that you found out about the show uh, and the auditions via Craigslist. Is that correct? Exactly. I found out about the auditions from Craigslist. And um, it was like an ad on Craigslist that said, would you like to date a rapper? So I was like, hell yeah, I'll date a rapper. It's <laughs> so, all right. It's like, I'll be dating all kinds of bums. I'm not going to date a rapper. <laughs> you know? Right. So uh, anyway... It's like it's even more entangled than that, which I'm probably sure you're gonna get into, whatever. But anyway, I was like, yeah, I'll date a rapper, and um, I end up going from there. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I was always such a big fan of um, Flavor Flav. I mean, I was a fan of him from all the reality shows too. But I was a fan of him um, back when he was doing Public Enemy, and I just always thought he was so 
crazy and and just um, such a cool person. And so when you first went on to the to the set on day one of filming, did you know it was going to be Flavor Flav or was that a surprise to you? Well, I knew it was going to be Flavor Flav because I did the pilot. You oh, see what that's I'm right. saying? So, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It's like, I think I should make this more clear. When I went on Craigslist, that was for the pilot. Oh, I see. Okay. Right? And so when I went on there um, for the pilot, I, you know, of course I did the pilot and stuff, right? And I was like, oh, so in love with him and stuff, you know? So I didn't know at that time that it was going to be Flavor of Love. I mean, Flavor Flav. Okay. Until you got set. And I was like, oh, shit, Flav. I know? bet. Yeah. So um, it was like I had history with him already because we were like some little fast girls. Right. So we kind of like had got a ride and went to a um, public enemy concert and he let us in through the back door. So he was cool with me. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. So it's interesting that, that Flavor of Love had a pilot. Um, I think that's one of the only shows that did, to my understanding. So was it all the same girls um, that were, like, how did that work? Explain that to us. Okay, let me tell you about the pilot, girl. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> let me tell you about the pilot. So anyway, the pilot, of course, didn't do a full uh, month of shooting. The pilot was like about, I think we were there about maybe three days, so it went really quickly. None of the girls that were on the pilot ever did the show except for me. Oh, wow. So you obviously stood out. No. Oh. <laughs> that okay. That was it. What happened was, what happened was this. So I did the pilot, and so my character was like, oh, I love you, Flay. You got on pink. I got on pink. We're a match made in heaven. <laughs> it was like, it was like I saw girls on here, and this is the truth. Once they did the first season, they went and found girls that were like the girls on the pilot. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, they went and specifically got girls that were like the girls on the pilot. On the pilot, I was like New York. I was like, I love you, Flay. Everything. I just wanted to be with him. And me and all the girls kind of had conflict and, you know, blase, blase. Then there was another girl that was like a red oyster. There was an Asian girl actually on the pilot that, you know, did the whole scenario that worked out on the first season. You know, wow. so there were a lot of girls from the pilot or a lot of characters from the pilot that they actually put on to the first season. Oh, that's so that wild. He says they kind of molded them into us. Okay. <laughs> that is so and wild. I, yeah, it was crazy because when I watched the first season, I said, I said, damn. <laughs> I said, I said, this shit is way familiar. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is way familiar. It was crazy. It was really crazy. That is so interesting. That's I had no idea about that. So, oh, yeah. so you did the pilot, you did it for three days, and then did you know they were going to bring you back to do a whole a, a season? Okay, so then trip. So when season two casting came around, a friend of mine was like, oh, you know, they're casting for season two of that show. I was like, oh, she said, we should go. I said, let's go. Let's go. I'm down. She never did go. I went ahead and went to the casting, right? So I'm in there doing my audition and stuff like that. And the um, casting director is like, I love you. I want to introduce you to the producer. <laughs> so down comes the hall, Matt Rogers limping because he has his leg in a cast because I don't know what had happened to his leg, right? <laughs> so he comes in and he says, Safari. 
you think we're not going to remember you from the pilot? And <laughs> 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 you're trying to sneak back up in here. I was like, like kind of, I guess. I was like, I didn't know if I was on a pilot, I couldn't come on the show. Yeah, there's no <laughs> I, 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 rule like, I didn't posted. know that. But they kind of, I guess they didn't want people from the pilot on the show. I don't know. But anyway, huh. he was like, look, you can't be one of the girls because you did the pilot. I was like, dang, that's jacked up. I'm cute and stuff. Why can't people? Right? He's, yeah. I got something special for you. He said, you going to go in there and, and tell us. Basically, I was hired to be the snitch. I was supposed to go in there and look at the girls, see what they was doing, and run all back and tell Flay. Okay. So, wow. as we know what happened with that. Right? It's <laughs> <laughs> a little hiccup. I got on to season two. And so, it was like, Matt Andres was like, a girl, you think I do not remember you from the pilot? He said, we're still quoting lines from the pilot. So, from the pilot, they were still quoting some of my uh, quotables. That's oh, awesome. That's <laughs> amazing. So when so for the pilot, uh, was it the same as like, did you have like challenges and then you had a date and then you had the elimination? Was it like all the same format? Yeah, it was. It was pretty much the same format. It was like, but it went really quick. It was like challenge, uh, conversation, <laughs> challenge, conversation, some little muddles with the girls. Some fo- It went really quick, but pretty much it was the same premise. But it, they extended it actually on the show opposed to, you know, the pilot. That's so wild. I, that's, it's really interesting. So obviously they were using that to pitch to um, VH1, I'm assuming. Exactly, because I think what had happened was um, Flave had just gotten broken up or had just broken up with, what's her name, Bridget? Bridget, oh, Bridget Bardo. Nielsen. Bridget Nielsen, yeah. Bridget, oh, Bridget Bardo, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be a really, really cool episode. I would totally watch that too. But Bridget Nielsen's pretty awesome as well. Bridget Nielsen, I'm, I'm assuming that you watched um, Surreal Life, the one that he and... Yeah. That was such a... Like, I remember I was addicted to Surreal Life. That's how I got into this whole thing. I remember I was sick and I was like just like couch ridden and I was watching TV and I was bored, flipping through the channels, like what's something to watch? And they were doing a marathon of Surreal Life. And I remember, you know, I knew um, Bridget Nielsen from being like this model that was with Sylvester Stallone and she's like European. And just her and Flav, you know, couldn't be more opposite. And just their dynamic, I was like, this is gold. I love this. It was just so freaking funny because she she's hilarious and she's like a crazy person, but so is he. And then watching um, Strange Love, that was, that was pretty wild as well. So yeah. Exactly. So it was like, basically, I think that's what it was. They were trying to get him his own show since she had basically broke up with him. And I guess they were like, this is awesome. We can get him and just get some girls and everybody, you know, find some love for Flags and she's married now, you know. So I think that's where they got the idea from. So, well, basically, mm-hmm. we have you to thank for the whole of Love franchise because if you guys had done a crappy job on the pilot, there would be no Flavor of Love or Rock of Love or I Love New York or any of these. So, like, it Thank you, Safari, not. for kicking ass on the pilot. I didn't even know. You made You're it happen. <laughs> That's You're so cool. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Yeah, nice. So what? So the challenges that you did on the pilot, were the, was there any similarities between any of the other challenges or was it just like a totally unique thing? Do you remember? Um, Not all the way. Not really. <laughs> but I remember like a couple of the challenges were similar to the um, pilot. I mean, to the... Um, first season but some of our challenges were like totally dumb like we had to do this one thing where we had to pin the flav on the um dartboard and, you know <laughs> stuff like that that i don't think they end up doing on season one 
Yeah. But I don't remember exactly everything. That's so, so funny. A lot of challenges weren't because a lot of our challenges in the pilot was very confined. We were confined to the house opposed to when they had the season, they could leave. Ah. Uh, they could go out, you know, but the pilot was very confined. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So I think that one of the reasons that um, people really gravitated towards you specifically, you obviously have such a a big personality, but you have a very dynamic personality as well. And I can just tell you like from from me being a viewer, one thing that um, I was really thought was, it was relatable, but cool. You know, there there was moments where you would just like flip out, but then there was other moments where you like kept it together like a, like, you know, a Buddhist monk where, I mean, just like, you know, you would expect you to, to, to flip out in a certain scenario. And you're just like, wow, she's like, not only is she keeping it together, like she's keeping it together better than I could. So it was cool because the times when you flipped out, it was also like, yeah, I probably would have flipped out then too. Like, I get it. You know, it, it was, it was relatable to everybody. And, and you just had such a wide range of emotions and you let it all out there for like the world to see, which I think everybody thought was really cool and part of what made you so entertaining. Thank you. Thank you. I think that it was, one of the things is I really, like I feel something a lot of times and it'll come out or it's definitely going to show on my face. It's like one way or another, you're going to know. Like if I don't like something, it's like my face crunches up or if I like something, it's like my eyes pop out, even if I'm trying not to, even if I'm trying to be subtle. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And then it's like after, and you know this, Lacey, especially when the cameras are rolling, like the first couple of days, you might be like, you kind of like, no, but after a while, you like forget the cameras are there. Yes. It's almost like they disappear, even though you see the people standing there with their mics on. You see that, but in your head, it's like they kind of disappear. Yeah, you become immersed. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. You become immersed in that world, which is exactly what the producers want. And so, you know, um, it's, it's like your reality outside of the show doesn't exist anymore. You know, you don't have, you can't make phone calls. You can't check your emails. You can't watch TV. So that world, like for the time that you're there, that world doesn't exist. Your world is just this show and, and the goal of like winning the show or winning love or whatever, you know, your goal is. So yeah. It's just winning. Cause it's like, I don't know. You just want to win. You know what I mean? It's like, but at least like with me with like flavor of love, it's like, I knew I wasn't going to really be there. So it was like, I knew I wasn't going to win love, you know, unless accidentally we fell in love within those few few minutes. But of course, we know that didn't happen. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, let's get into the whole thing with um, it was H-Town that you had the altercation with um, regarding the bed. Yeah. It's funny because yeah. I had to go back and watch that scene recently just to refresh my memory how that went down. And um, I actually do feel like you kind of got gypped because I was rewatching and I remember it was like, it was over the bed and, um, and both of you were claiming it. And then you had flowers and then H-Town picked the flowers and smacked you in the face with the flowers. And then after that, it's like, all right, it's on, you know? And it was kind of messed up that you got thrown out and she didn't because initially she was the one that turned it from words to physical. Exactly, exactly. In the in the real world, <laughs> it would have been like, well, she assaulted me. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to defend yourself, you know what I'm saying? But I think what, I think this is what happened. I think that the producers let her stay because they knew I wasn't supposed to stay anywhere. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. So it's like, 
technically, if she never would have fought me over the bed, it would have it would have just been what it was. I would have been gone at the end of the show. I'm like, bye, Safari. Okay, bye. <laughs> you know, Flame, that bitch right there don't really like you in real life. You know, and her right there and stuff, she stank. And, you know, I would have just been out the door. But it was like, the, and the crazy part about the whole situation with me fighting with the girl over the bed. Let me tell you, Lacey, let me tell you. Okay, lay it on me. So at the beginning, you know, at the beginning of the show, you know, when he pulls up in the car and all that stuff, right? And he, he, everybody's like, ah, Flag, we love you, Flag. And he comes out, he hands everybody roses, right? Yep. So he got out the car, he hands everybody roses, but he forgets to give me a rose, right? Oh. So I was like, dang, I don't, I don't get no roses. Like, like, chop liver over like, here? <laughs> I'm like, damn, that's my dad. I will get a rose. He said, no, here, baby, girl, here. So he gave me a whole bouquet. Oh. So that triggered the girls, like, oh. Why she get a bouquet? Flower. She got more flowers than us, right? So I think when we got to the bad situation and she saw my flowers, it triggered like I was already mad about these flowers. I'm going to smack this girl with these flowers. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> that sounds right. I bet you're right. Yeah. It's like, I don't want her to have flowers. You know, I would smack <laughs> her with them. So it was like, oh, you want to smack people with flowers? Okay, then. Okay, we finna fight. Right. Because it was like, at that moment, it was like, I forgot about cameras. Yeah. I forgot cameras was in there and that I'm in here fighting because the whole time I'm doing this show, I'm like on the run. Mm-hmm. I'm like one. I'm like I'm supposed to be in jail. I'm not even supposed to be. Here. Yeah, yeah. We gotta talk about that. But yeah, exactly. So, well, I was just happy. I was like, Lord, please don't let them send the police. That's what. I was like, <laughs> oh God. Please don't send the police. It's like Flavor but, of Love meets Cops. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Most wanted. Oh, yeah, shit. exactly. <laughs> yeah, Flavor Flav's most wanted. Oh, geez, that'd be a whole other show. Wow. Oh my yes. god. So that was that was crazy. I bet you were. Were you like super stressed while you were there because of the which we're going to get into? But in case people are watching this, wondering what we're talking about, were you super stressed about these? Like, you had some legal issues, or were, was this like an escapism for you? You know what? I'm going to tell you, I wasn't even worried. It was like, it was like, I wasn't worried because I knew I was supposed to turn myself in at one point. I prayed on it. God said, don't turn yourself in. So I was like, all right, I ain't, you ain't got to keep telling me. I'm going to turn myself in. <laughs> and so, it worked out for you. A few days after I didn't turn myself in is when I seen the, um, the ad on Craigslist. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I was like, I didn't put two and two together till after the whole scenario played out. But I was like, oh, I'm going to go do this. But it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go here and then I'm going to disappear. For some reason, television, it was like, they can't find me here. By the time they get here, I'm going to be gone. Well, technically, yeah. <laughs> How could they? I mean, I think that even like our own family didn't know where we were, you know? So oh. Oh. yeah, exactly. That's, that's true. So, well, okay. So... You ended up getting kicked out of the house, which sucks. When that was going down and finally, like when the fight was over and you kind of came back to the present and were you just like, oh crap, I cannot believe that just happened. Like, were you upset that, not necessarily at yourself, but were you upset at the situation that like so early on in the show? um, Because it was only, how many days had you been there when that happened? Was that, that was that day one? Well, I had only been in the house for like 15 minutes. We ran up the stairs to go look for beds. It was like literally like, Within the first 20 minutes of the whole thing of us getting in the house, we oh. were fighting. 
That's it was like, sucks. you know how you get to the park? You know, I don't know if they did this on your show, but you guys come in from the outside, then you go find your room? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what happened. Oh, <laughs> my like, God. outside, he said, go find your room, and then that's it. Uh, that's, were you yeah. pissed? No, I was like pissed. No, wait a minute, let me explain. I was pissed in a mug. I was so mad. I was like, I can't believe this girl got me on here fighting and they gonna look at me like I'm the crazy one and I wanted to beat her up again because she kept talking shit and I was just mad. I was mad, mad. But I was just like, oh my God. Oh, excuse me. I was like, please just, in my mind, I was just like, please don't call the police. Just whatever you do, don't call the police. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, was, I was like, she don't look that bad. She don't have no marks. Don't call the police. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank God that didn't happen. Um, yeah. That would have been really fucked up if that had happened. Yeah, like, I'm really glad. It would have any charm school. I love money. None of that. If yeah. They would call the police. I mean, it sort yeah. of, it, it kind of did work out because it set you up to, um, to do charm school, you know, like you were the ultimate one. You were the bad girl that needed like to be reformed. And, you know, and as we all know, you know, you end up winning the whole damn thing. So, you know, I like, it's in a, in an odd way, in a weird way, all those decisions that you made, some of them were, you know, like um, deciding to just like screw the legal stuff. I'm going to go do a TV show. That was a more conscious decision. And then the one where you um, fought the girl, that was probably more like a, like a subconscious decision, you know, but all of those decisions that you made led to your path, you know, of doing charm school, winning charm school, doing I Love Money. So it kind of worked out in your favor, all these things. It was God. That's what I'm telling you. It was like, it's like I could show people better than I could tell them. It's like, I'm telling you what happened. And then you see what happened. So you know what happened. So it wasn't, it was not me. If it was me, I probably would have just turned myself in. But God said, no, don't turn yourself in. I said, okay, no problem. <laughs> I don't want to go there no way, God. <laughs> I see. I Whenever I make decisions like that, I feel like, like I'm like, oh, you shouldn't do the right thing. Like you should do the wrong thing. But it's never God telling me. It's, <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> I got a whole you other person telling me bad things. You just call it something different. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The, got the yeah. devil and the angel. Somehow the devil always wins with me. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You, you did great. And I, and, and everybody was, you know, this is why you have so many fans, you know? And um, so before we get into charm school, um, did you know that you were going to be, invited to do another show? Like, did you even know there was another show in the works? Or did you just think like, oh, well, that's it? No, I thought those people were going to be like, never bring this bitch back ever again. <laughs> and really, they were she like, she's great TV. <laughs> yeah, we got to bring her back on everything. Yeah, and then... The destroyed it. I thought they would never bring us back. But what happened was after um, uh, Flavor of Love 2 uh, season aired, they got the ratings were so high till like Matt called me that night. He was like, hey, we got another show for you. We're going to invite you to the reunion. Just be good. I was like, all right, <laughs> I'll be good. <laughs> I didn't even think I would make it to the reunion. I didn't think, I thought, you know, that's it. She's, she's bad news. She's not coming back. Yeah, but that's no, they were like, she's amazing ratings. We got to have more of her. <laughs> that's so great. So one thing that was so funny to me and I think to everybody is when you and H-Town were sitting there and you guys had just had your fight and um, and just completely out of the blue, you're just like, would you like some lip chap? That was just so iconic. And it was just so funny because it was like, it was so out of place, but at the same time, it was so like endearing. It, it like, was, did you have your company then yet? Or was that, that seemed like just you were genuinely extending the olive branch. What, what was, what was, what was that all about? 
Um, actually, I did not have lip chap at that time. I um, I'm a, a lip balm user. I'm like I'm a lip balm fanatic, so I'm always putting on lip balm, and especially when my nerves is like whatever. So it was like we were sitting there, and I was trying to be nice to her ass, and so I wasn't gonna really, you know, give her something because I didn't want her to put her lips on it. But just the fact that I offered it to her, yeah, it's the right. I was like, okay, I'm trying to be nice because I really didn't want to get kicked out. I wanted to stay. <laughs> So I was like, maybe I'll offer this old raggedy bitch some lip chops. <laughs> <laughs> you know, see, I'm being nice and I can be trusted and I can stay. You know what I'm saying? But it was very random because I was just sitting there and it was like, okay, so I'm trying to fix my mouth and just, you know, whatever. So I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, okay, now I'm putting on some lip chops. And I just see her over there looking all stupid. And that's when I'm offering it. <laughs> It's the right, but trust me, she was not going to get it. She'd have been like, "Yes," I'm like, "No." (laughs) I almost wish that that strategy would like continue on into other elements of life. Like, I could totally see like in the boxing ring, like Mike Tyson or whatever, just like beat someone's ass, and then like afterwards, he's like, "Lip chap," (laughs) you know? It's like the ultimate. A lot of times they go and they have these big fights and stuff. Then after the fight, they go to dinner. Looking fucked up, but they go. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know that. That's wild. Yeah. yeah, they go to dinner with each other. They hang out with each other. They not really, you know, because they don't, they be like, okay, we done fought. Now it's over. But I know even like in real life and stuff, it's like people have fights. I've known people that have fights and they, they beat each other up. And then after the fact, they get up and they hug each other and they go, this is the next thing. You know what I'm saying? Don't have to be friends. You know, you just worked it out. And now you go on to the next phase. Yeah, it's a, it's a very um, mature adult way of, of handling a, an intense situation. <laughs> So, yeah, I like it. bang away one another. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that, like, we should try to solve world peace with lip chap. Like, we should, like, call up Russia. Vladimir Putin, would you like some lip chap? (laughs) You never know. No, that's right. right. Maybe if I offer it to the police, they'll calm the fuck down. Oh, Jesus. It'd be like the Kylie Jenner Pepsi commercial, but hey. (laughs) Oh, my God. I, I, you know, I don't even... I wish that we could joke about that. It is so upsetting. It's upsetting for me, and I can only imagine it's upsetting for anybody who is um, who is a, a black person. It's just we got to save that because that's going to get me heated. That is like I've been actually talking about that quite a bit on the um, on the podcast. It's so 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 upsetting everything that's going on with that. And I wish that some lip chap could you know solve this. I would be like throwing it at them like way up like a lip chap cannon like here. <laughs> I said that. I said, and all I could think of was that damn Pepsi commercial. And my ass walking up to the police talking about, do you want some lip chat? It's like, what the fuck? It's like, no, that's not, that's not gonna, that's not gonna handle it unless it's a gun or a shit. Yeah, yeah. That could fucking pop you in your head, you know, it's but a, it's a yeah, sweet it's a thought. It's a lot going on. Well, maybe, maybe next year, maybe when 2020 is over, we can really start focusing on you know, um, getting some of these issues resolved. But anyway, so that's, that's a different topic wow, entirely. So that shit today. <laughs> yeah. We need to focus on it today. And I think that basically that there's going to be a lot of things that change. And it's like, I'll put this out here in the atmosphere and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Cause I think that you could relate to what I'm ready to say. Okay. But, um, you know, I believe in magic. Mm-hmm. I believe in magic. And I think that, there's going to be something really magical that's going to happen. 
You know what I'm saying? Um, and like I was just saying, like, where are all the witches? Where are all the voodoo people to go <laughs> poke some pins or whatever they need to do to calm this stuff down? Yeah. And I think at this point right now, the way the universe is acting, I think almost anything is possible. And I wouldn't be surprised if somebody, people just start falling, falling out. I think that what I think is not that far off from what you think. I believe in energy. And I believe that um, collective energy, like if we all focus on um, not just the positive, that's like making it overly simplified, but working together towards a positive solution. Um, As opposed to like, of course, we're all going to feel anger and rage and all of that. But collectively, that anger and that rage can be... um, it, it can it can break us down. It can, it can make us less powerful. But if we go, if we put our minds together of going like, this is what we need to fix in our society. This is a, this is the path we need to go on to reach a positive outcome. And we look at it from like the positive, like we can do this and get motivated collectively. I think that energy. I always talk about power in numbers, and I think that energy can cause positive change to happen. I've been talking a lot about voting, and I and of course you know like president and stuff like that. That's important, but. Um, also, local elect- elections are really, really uh, important as well. And I tell people like, um, you know, the mayor is in, is in charge of appointing the um, police chief. You know, the police chief is the one that is in charge of hiring all these cops. And so if the, the police in a particular city is, is fucking up or violating people's civil rights, which, you know, everybody, no matter what color your skin is, should be concerned about about uh, civil rights being violated. Because if it happens to one group, guess what? It can happen to you. It can happen to anybody. So it's up to that mayor to make sure that the police are doing things on the up and up. And then I tell people, it's really easy to reach out to the mayor of your town. You can easily contact them and and go, look, if you don't make sure these, these police have their shit together, we'll vote you out. You will lose your career if you don't oversee what's happening. Also, district attorneys. District attorneys can be voted in or out. They're the ones that make sure that people who fuck up, who are violent, who who uh, cause harm to citizens and violate people's civil rights, the DAs are the ones that have to hold them accountable. And if they don't, guess what? They can lose their careers too. You can vote them out. So I talk about that a lot. Protesting is important as well. But I, I think voting and really letting people know, I will end your career if you don't get your city together and if you don't respect the citizens. What are your thoughts? I think that that's true. I think that's absolutely true. And you do have to vote on a smaller level. It's not the president that makes these decisions. It is the uh, the local officials in your area or your city or your state or whatever that do make these decisions. However, <laughs> however, things are so corrupt. Yeah, that's true. Things too. are so corrupt. And there's so much other so many different on so many different levels till yeah hopefully that that would help if -hmm. some careers were ended and stuff however i don't know but i do think that when people say defund the police my dog is really bugging she's out there just (laughs) (laughs) we love dogs over here it's all good defund the police what we're saying is put um some of the um the duties of the police in other hands. Mm-hmm. So the police doesn't need a billion dollars because uh, <laughs> they just don't. 
They don't need a billion dollars. We don't need a, a bunch of police. We need police for crime. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. But a lot of the things that police come in contact with is not criminally related. So for those things that aren't, I think those should be put in the hands of other people. And if they're put in the hands of them, then the funding that the police have, some of that billion dollars, will go to those different organizations that handle those things. So I think a lot of people don't understand. They, they think that when people state, oh, defund the police, that all of a sudden they're going to go outside and he's never going to be a police officer. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. And of course, nobody would be for that, you know? So I'm glad that you clarified that because that's exactly right. And, you know, it's interesting because living here in Las Vegas, um, obviously I haven't been doing the casinos because of COVID, but when my husband and I were were going to the casinos all the time for, you know, going to shows or going to have a cocktail or whatever, we were so impressed with the way that the um, private security operates out here because if you think about it, Las Vegas, they, they're drinking 24 hours a day, you know? So if there's going to be any time to be fights, you would think that like Las Vegas, like drinking around the clock would be um, an environment where fights would happen, drunk people. But what's interesting is because um, Las Vegas is such a, a tourist attraction, they cannot afford for it to get dangerous. They can't afford for people to be punching each other in the, in the middle of these casinos where like millions and millions of dollars is going through. So anytime there's even like a hint of something's about to go down, the security all like come in just out, almost like seemingly out of the walls and they just surround the person. They never put their hands on them and they're always able to like calm the situation down. And even if the person's calling them a motherfucker and a piece of shit and like every name in the book, they don't like let it hurt their ego. They just stay calm. They diffuse, which is really important. And they just walk the person out. And I have never, ever, ever seen the security of these casinos like kick someone's ass. It just doesn't happen. But obviously the security here is privatized. So totally different, you know? And so it just it got me thinking like watching them, there is a way to train people to, to do this, to, to subdue a situation, to calm a situation, you know? And it doesn't have to immediately go to like punches and, and you know, or like putting your knee on someone's neck or, you know, I mean, it's just it, the level of violence that is shown that is just unnecessary to subdue or apprehend somebody I always tell people it is not a cop's job to play judge, jury, and executioner. It is the police officer's job to apprehend a suspect, and that's it. And they don't get to decide, oh, this guy is a criminal. I should kick his ass. That's not their job. So um, there is better ways to do this, and I'm glad that you brought the this up because um, how it's going right now has, has got to change. And as you just said, defunding the police doesn't mean like, oh, I guess we have no police anymore. It's, it's allocating things to other groups who can do it better. And just like you said, you said that the um, security is privatized, basically. So they're privatized. So then, therefore, they're basically security guards. So that, therefore, we don't need police. Yes, there's police in Las Vegas, but they don't come into the casinos unless there's really something really, really happening after the privatized, you know, security stops it. But with black people and police, we it's, this goes back to, like the beginning of America and like slavery and overseers and, you know, all kinds of things. So it's deeper than this dog is crazy. It's, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all good. And just voting out someone, um, you know, out of office is deeper. It's like in the jail systems. It's in, you know, it's deep. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? That's just one step is defunding them and having other organizations step in and do some of the um, things that police don't need to do, like 
technically police do not even hardly need to give traffic tickets anymore because when you drive down the street, basically you're going to get, you know, a ticket in the mail. You know what I'm saying? They don't need to deal with mental illness because yes. we can see that doesn't work as well. They don't need to deal with anything other than something criminalized. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't because they're actually like a little army. They don't do that. And as we can see, they really don't care about black people because they will kill you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the reason why is because there's no repercussion. Yes. And there's no accountability. They, they only kill us, but they mainly kill us. And there's no repercussions unless, okay, maybe there might be a settlement. But that person's life is not disrupted nine times out of 10. Their life is not disrupted. They kill someone, they go on about their life. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? There has to be stiffer penalties for murder. I completely you know, agree. The same people that go out and do these murders are the same people that are, you know, pro-life. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I, yeah. So it's like, you want me to make sure that I don't go have an abortion, but once my baby get here, then you want to kill him by the, that don't make sense. Right, yeah. It doesn't make sense. And it's like, in my mind, I'm like, where are all the pro-life people saying this is horrible? What the fuck? No, they only want you when you're an embryo. No, that doesn't make sense. The pro-life, the pro-life people, and from my perspective, that's more about control. Um, you know, it's about controlling women, and um, the fact that black people are, la- or sorry, the fact that um, police are able to treat black people however they want. That's that's about control. A lot of these things are about control, and this is where I always talk about civil rights. You know, somebody may um, may go like, well, I don't know how I feel about the Black Lives Matter movement. I personally am a big advocate of the Black Lives Matter movement, but if somebody else isn't, I go, okay, but do you care about your civil rights? And they'll go, yeah. And I'll go, okay, well, then you need to care about the Black Lives Matter movement and you need to care about the gay community and you need to care about women because all of these things, all of these different groups of people who are marginalized, they are having their civil rights um, violated and, and affected and if you care about yours, you need to care about everybody's, you know, because eventually it'll catch up to you too, you know? And next, it'll be white, poor people or whatever. So, I mean, it's just, it'll get, it'll get everybody. It will. Eventually, it will get everybody. But right now- It gets everybody now. It gets everybody now, but on different levels. Right. It's different levels to it. And, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, they they have, pre- I mean, it's, it's about prejudice. It's about racism. It's about all these hatred and hate things that people have in their mind that makes them feel better if they're in control a lot of police officers you know a lot of police officers have mental health issues oh it's obvious it's obvious i'm gonna tell you something i'm gonna tell you something nobody else don't know this i'm divorced now but i was married my criminal ass was married to a sheriff you were you're kidding me that's wild okay and he told me with his own mouth he said they are not trained to shoot to injure they are trained to shoot to kill point blank period that's it they're not trained to uh if they pull their weapon they're trained to kill you not to just injure you. so why so speaking of mental illness um i know sometimes people call other people a psychotic or a psychopath as an insult but it actually is a mental illness which is basically somebody who is psychotic that is far away from uh, somebody with compassion and empathy as you can possibly get. They just are not affected by people being harmed, by animals, by children being harmed. That is what somebody who is a psychotic is. 
And I also yeah, learned I, something. It, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. My apologies. I talk a lot, so I apologize to you. I never shut the fuck up. Um, so. I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, it's like people that are psychotic, sometimes they'll have those issues where they will hurt animals. They will do these other things. Sometimes it's, it's levels to it. Right. But I wonder if police, um, 1% of the population I heard is actually psychotic and not every psychopath is violent, but almost every violent person is a psychopath. So that's the statistics that I heard. And I also heard that 1% of the population is psychotic, which is a little frightening. Um, It leads me to wonder if a lot of these people who are psychopaths end up being drawn to the jobs of being a police officer. Yes, of course they would be drawn to it. Of course they would be drawn to it because they have total control of what they do without any repercussion. Mm -hmm. It's like, can you imagine just going around? It's like, if I decide, I could take your life at any minute. You know what I'm saying? If you're a psychopath, you know what I'm saying? I could take your life in any minute. There's no repercussions. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times and stuff, too, police officers come from military backgrounds, mm. right? Where they've been in the Marines, Army, whatever. Those are people who have been mentally conditioned to shoot when told. Yeah. Point blank. That's it. You know what I'm saying? And that's what they do. And just like I said, my ex was a sheriff and I know his ass was crazy. That's why he's my ex. Yeah, it's crazy as hell. I can't believe how much our society has gotten to a place where we just completely devalue human life. I mean, honestly, I I can't even kill a bug in good conscience. Like I have to like get the cup and like scoop it up and carry it outside if there's a bug in the house. Yet people are so dismissive of people killing people, even like with the whole COVID thing. I mean, we're getting near like 200,000 deaths. And for some reason, there's a big part of the... um, population that just is not phased by that. I feel like there's there's too much of um, devaluing of, of human life and being desensitized to the fact that people are dying at the hands of police. People are dying at the hands of COVID. I think that's a really big problem too. People need to, to care more, you know? I think that like, I'm going to go ahead and just put it out there. With COVID, there's so many different things that have been said that are not true. And it's like, it's like, I feel like there's a bigger mission and I'm not even a conspiracy theorist or whatever, but there's definitely a bigger mission that's going on here. And I don't like it. And I think that some of the people that are out here, like I will wear my mask when I go in someplace because they're like, okay, you have to wear your mask. But as soon as I come back outside, I'm taking it off. I'm not jogging with a mask on my face. Well, I don't think that is actually necessary. I I think being outside and social distancing, you don't need the mask. But definitely when you're inside or you're in like a crowded place, I think it's um, important. But no, if you're jogging, if you're by yourself outside going down the street, you don't need your mask in that specific scenario. But um, technically they said that it's airborne. The, 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 the disease is airborne. So if you put on a mask it's in, and you can still breathe, that means you're getting air. <laughs> that means that you still, you still can get it. So that means if you can breathe with your mask on, you can still get it. You get what I'm saying? Because it is airborne. Technically, technically, that is true. But then there's like, there's a whole thing of like certain like air particles versus virus particles. There's different. It's like the reason that um, doctors wear masks. We're just so getting off subject. The fans are like, "Why don't you?" I just want to know about Flavor Flav. So okay, we got it. We got to get back on track here. So I, I definitely want to keep talking about the Black Lives Matter stuff because that that is incredibly important. As I said, I, I keep talking about it, but um, unless we have anything else to add to that, I got to get us back on topic. <laughs> fans are be so mad. It's one thing, and then I'm going to stop. When the whole COVID thing first started and stuff, right, it was like I was still going out, like, to the stores, 
trying to pick up supplies and stuff. And of course, nobody had on masks. They yeah. told us at that time we just needed to wash our hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, it's like I woke up like you know back in like April. I was like, oh my god, I can't breathe out my right nostril. I was panicking. Yeah, I was I like, know. I'm up and dying. <laughs> I got COVID, right? And so my friends had an ongoing um, group text. So my friend texted me uh, Rosiana's um, um, uh, Facebook page where he was talking about boiling the water and chopping up the uh, lemon pills and putting the sea salt in there. So I did it. I did it. My daughter did it. I even tried to do the dogs to do it. They didn't do it though. But we did it and I swear I could breathe. So after that, I was like, okay, there's natural things that can kind of like, you know, take away the whatever it is. And then I burn a lot of sage. Sage kills all bacteria and viruses in the air, scientifically proven, not even like, you know. So there's so many other things than to be running around here with fear because fear will kill you quicker than a virus. Fear and stress. I miss the, I just want to say that. <laughs> I miss the good old days. I just want the good old days back when the worst thing you had to fear was an STD. You know, you look down and you're like, you're like, it's an ingrown hair, but you're not really sure. You're like, what is that? Is that herpes? Oh no, it's an ingrown hair. Okay. <laughs> I miss those days. Just, just saying. Just putting that out there. Days <laughs> too. Just partying, right? <laughs> so, okay. Let's get back. Let's get back on track. I've got my notes here, so I just want to make sure I hit up um, a couple of key points. Okay. People are probably wondering um, about your legal issues, and I got to say, this is another reason I'm super impressed with you because you had a lot of shit in your life. You had some legal stuff happening. Then you had um, some stuff with your uncle. And then you had stuff with like an inheritance where you got kind of fucked over. And like, it was just like, like a one-two punch um, at you. And then you're like, fuck all this. And you went on charm school and you won and uh, you got, you got your life back. And, and then some like, which is so cool and, and admirable. So um, we are starting to run out of time, but, but give people an idea of what happened with like the legal stuff. Okay. So basically... Everybody, well, everybody that knows me don't know. But I love surgery. I love getting liposuction and stuff like that. Botox. <laughs> love my it. Uncle, mind you, I shouldn't have listened to him because this is the same uncle that ended up stealing our entire inheritance from me and my brothers. But he was like, go ahead. He's like, you could just use my name. He said, because technically you're not me. Okay, because right, I'm not a 60-year-old man. So <laughs> anyway, my family is different than other people's family. <laughs> so anyway, he said I could. I went ahead, I did it or whatever. And so then next thing you know, when we start battling over the property, he went back and told the police that it, it was me that did this, even though he knew that that was not him, technically. Wow. Why did he you know do that? Saying? Because he wanted me to get out the way. Wow. It was like, I was the fighter. So it was oh. like, since I'm the fighter and stuff, and the property at that time was like millions of dollars worth of property. And that's when the Llewellyn situation came in, you know, and they got this attorney who ended up stealing even more. And so it's like, I could go on for hours about that, but that's basically what happened. And I got sentenced to jail, long story oh. short. And that's when I didn't turn myself in. And then I went and did I Love Money. And coming back from doing I Love Money, B.O., that's when they arrested my ass. Oh, and so it was like three years to the date of when I was supposed to have turned myself in, which was crazy. So I ended up staying in there, you know? So, yeah. Wow, that is intense. That's that's intense. Oh, yeah. Why Do you feel like you're, you've are you been traumatized from that experience? Because you seem like you're handling it all quite well. Did you suffer um, trauma from that, from being in, in prison for so long? You were there for, for like t- almost two years? 
Yeah, for like 22 months. I was oh, my in God. There. Bless and your heart. First, yeah, I was traumatized. Like, I want to leave. You know what I'm saying? But I adapted. And then I had friends that were in there. <laughs> I bet you did. If anybody had friends in there, you definitely. <laughs> friends, friends that I knew from before. Hey, Swa. Hey, Gigi. <laughs> That's friends. awesome. That's... Friends that I knew before I got in there. So I'm sure you have friends everywhere you go. <laughs> no matter where yeah, you are I in life. a lot of people. I'm an LA native and I know a lot of people, we have a really huge family. I have a huge family. So yeah, like, so that made it a lot easier. So a lot of times and stuff when I was in, it was like being in, in elementary school, we wake up, we go out to the yard, to the playground, we play cards, we play double dutch, we do dancing contests. Okay. We play, we run around. <laughs> That's cool. Whatever to pass the time and keep your spirits up. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. And it was like, even though we were in there with murderers, it's like they put me, my little fraudulent self in there with real live serial killers. Wow. And like I was in there with, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Charles Manson girls. No way. Holy crap. Dead that's ass. insane. Wow. Wow. And, and uh, Barbara Broderick. Is that her name? Um, Bro- what's her name? Broderick. I don't know that one. Who are you referring yeah, to? Yeah, the blonde lady killed her husband. Um, so Betty Broderick. Betty okay. Broderick. Okay, she was in there too? She was in there. The Manson yeah. Girls, the Zebra Killer. There's this lady, I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with her, but she was going around killing like interracial couples. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Jeez. I was in there. Crazy. I wanted to talk to the uh, Manson lady, which I can't even think of her name. My brain is like garbage, but I wanted to talk to her. It was like almost like I had to make an appointment with her. And so they was like, well, she was on TV. So she's like, oh, okay, I'll talk to her. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, That's like, insane. You know, psycho. Wow. <laughs> I guess I'm psycho too because I wanted to talk to her. So I feel like you could write yeah, a book, Safari. Huh? Yeah, I said, I feel, I feel like you could write a book. Oh, yeah. I was definitely like, oh, yeah. I talked to me and Betty used to have coffee in the mornings. And she was kind of handicapped. She had a little uh, cane. But she like coffee is like a a, a friendship thing in in prisons because, okay. you know, that stuff costs a lot of money. So for the people to offer you coffee, yeah. it's either they get a lot of money or they're being friendly. Okay. And, and you accept. I accept. I was like, you're not going to rape me. I cannot <laughs> see this old lady raping me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> This is crazy. You're like, I have, I have lip chap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She told me to send her some. I was like, I cannot put that on commissary. Uh-huh. It would have to go through commissary. I would put it on there and let all of y'all get it. Y'all take pictures and send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wild. So what did you end up doing with the money when you won charm school? What did you end up doing with that money? Well, when I won charm school, I ended up buying a condo and starting up LipChap. So LipChap has actually, it's been around now for 11 years almost. Okay. So I started it, uh, LipChap with, with the money that I won. That's so yeah. cool. And, you know, that's another thing. I got to ask you this. Yes. How much did I get? How much did they give y'all when y'all was on charm school? Oh, God. Not very much at all. We all kind of had to negotiate. So on Rock Where? of Love, Rock of Love, we got paid $100 a day, just like flat rate fee. And then okay. um, when they asked me to do charm school, I don't, I can't speak on for the other girls. I think that we got a raise from $100 to a whole $200. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's not going to work for me. And so I asked for, because um, I was like the, I was like the villain character. Like they needed me on there. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I asked them for like 
10 or $15,000. It was still like a pretty minimal amount compared to what they actually made, you know, um, on that show. So I think I got something like that. I don't know what the other girls got, but it was, it was a pretty minimal amount though. And the same thing with Island Money. Get? What's that? What did the winner get? The winner got, the school I want to say $100,000. Yeah, because then I Love Money was $250,000. Charm School was 100000 Yeah, that's what it was. What about you guys? $50,000. Oh, wow. 50, wow. Maybe 50000 for Charm School. I think it went up as um, the shows yes, were proving yes. to be, yeah, like successful. I think that's what was going on. So it was like, I felt like I did a pilot. I felt like our charm school was like the pilot for everybody else's charm school. You guys got double the money. Yeah, that's crazy. Did you negotiate for yourself at least for like um, I Love Money? And and like, did you know your worth yeah, at that I got, point? I got more money than for I Love Money for those days or something like that. I think I was getting... I don't remember. I want to say like four fifty a day or something like that. It's like insane how little they paid us. I mean, those shows yeah. were like not only were they everywhere in the whole entire world, not just the United States, yeah. on VH1, but then they're all on the streaming networks, and then there was like DVDs, and there was like there's so much, and they really paid the the actual talent just crap. I don't know if Brett Michaels or like Flavor Flav got paid, but um, I know that like. Thank you. What's that? They did, and they get they yep. they did get paid. They got paid a lot more, and they also get um like royalties and residuals. Yeah, they get residuals. So every time it airs, and when it went to all the different countries, they got money. Yeah, we got screwed <laughs> to the different countries because it allowed me to do like other like reality shows like overseas. That's how I did like Holland in the Hood and the Boys in LA and all that stuff like from um the Netherlands and all that other stuff because they were familiar with me from being on VH1 here in America. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah you went on to do a lot of other stuff which is um which is really really cool. Did you did you overall enjoy your experiences on the shows? I ask that question a lot and I get mixed messages depending on who I ask. But what's your perspective? Did you did you have fun on the shows? Were you glad you did it? I did. And I had so much fun on Charm School. Every night I used to be Every night after we finished doing our challenges and stuff, we would have this meeting place in the closet and we would go in the closet like me, um, what's the little toasty, Becky, uh uh somebody else. Who's somebody else? It was somebody else who used to go in there with us. I don't know, but we used to be fucked up every night in the closet. <laughs> we would wake up. In the morning time, half the time we had only been asleep two, three hours. Oh yeah. Oh wait, was so, it pumpkin? Was it was pumpkin uh, part of? Like, I know pumpkin and Toasty were kind of tight with each other on I Love. Pumpkin was part of our clique. I didn't like pumpkin. Yeah, she was a she was a tough girl. I never met her, but she seemed like like pretty aggro for sure. She was like um, pumpkin is a bully. Yeah, you guys probably would have got into it, and she would have been on that rocket love. You would have to beat her up, Lacey. You would <laughs> yeah. have to beat her up. Oh, she tried to a pool. bully. She didn't try to bully like black girls, but she tried to bully like the white girls. Yeah, she, she bullied. And so, yeah, I, I didn't like. That. I don't like bullies. Yeah, you know? I, I feel you. Oh. I always just thought it was important if you're going to go like head to head with somebody, it's got to be at least somebody your um like level energetically. Like I really hated it on. Uh, was it Charm School with Ricky Lake where like Bubbles, do you remember Bubbles? She was like this like little meek thing and like the girls really like were bullying her, but she was like a very soft energy. I just didn't think it was like a fair fight, you know? But- um, That's it. And then, oh, also you mentioned, um, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Becky Buck Wild. I know you guys are pretty tight on these shows. Yeah. Do you, it's, I follow you on um, on Instagram. So it seems to me like you guys are still friends, but um, the fans were asking me about that if you still talk to her. 
me and Becky are like this. That's me all. and Becky are like this. It's like, no matter what, it's like, we're always going to be friends. It's like, um, she's did a lot of things for me and I've did a lot of things for her. And we're, we're going to always be friends. It's like, that's one of the good things, you know, that like I did meet like Becky. And so even though sometimes we do get in arguments, don't trip. We argue. <laughs> <laughs> we argue and she just mad at me. But uh, it's, it's still good. I got a lot of love for Becky. Oh, I yes. love that. She was great yeah, TV I'll- too. She helps out a lot with like my daughter and stuff, right? And um, she helps out also with like um the foundation. She's like really she's went and got her classes, so she's able to you know actually work with the children oh. and adults, young. So yeah, we're we're gonna do some really good things. I think for people that have intellectual disabilities, I love that. Well, you could always tell that just the way that she was a friend to you and the way she handled situations, you could. You could tell that um, she has a lot of compassion, so yeah. that that comes across. She, but she's like she has a tough exterior, but she's also a compassionate person. So she's very compassionate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, oh, I do have to ask you one other thing that um, uh, I I forgot I was going to ask you this earlier before I let you go. One thing that was just amazing to me is when you were in uh, the room where you're doing the confessionals, you know, and um, where like you're just talking to the camera, answering questions from the producers. And they send New York in and she is just like trying as hard as she could to provoke you and she's antagonizing you and just saying every like outlandish thing to like piss you off and insult you and offend you. And you, and that's why I was talking at the beginning of, the, of this um, conversation about how you're like a Buddhist monk sometimes. You did not let her rattle you. And I'm like, damn girl, like I was impressed with that. Yeah, it's like, first of all, we had money at stake. I'm not gonna mess up my bag for no hags. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I was like, at the end of the day, like I said, I always in the back of my hat, she was my character from the pilot. It was like she was my character from the pilot. So of course, being an originator, it was like I have 40 different people inside of me that's willing to come out at any given time. <laughs> no, it's like I think that one part of my personality dominates the other thirty-nine. It's like what? It's like no. And then it's like I knew it's like it was like they were even bad actors because I'm like I see the little thing in her ear. So I said, "Damn, Mark!" I was like, "Oh, y'all know what it means." <laughs> I love it. Get your ass out of here. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. It's amazing. Well, Sapphire, I'm so sorry. I have to let you go. I'm, I might have to bring you back because I feel like we just barely even scratch the surface. And plus, there's like so many other things. You know, I, I love talking about the shows, but I've, I've been involved in, in like various um, causes as far as activism goes. So I, I love getting other people's perspectives. So um, I would love to have you come back at some point so we can continue this conversation. That would be so dope. We need to actually do like, you know, we could talk about more. I got more so I can always talk about Botched and all the other TV shows yeah. and all that stuff. I'll definitely come back for a part two, but we definitely need to sit down and have like a um a forum between just me and you. That shit would be so dope, Lacey. It's a great that idea. Be- I would love it. And I only live like four hours from you. Yeah. So it's not, maybe I can make it to LA or you can make it over here to Las Vegas. But yeah, we got to make it happen. <laughs> Well, I probably have to come there because the studio is out there. <laughs> that is true. I wasn't going to say anything, but if you want to, <laughs> didn't want to pressure you, but yeah, there is that. But, um, <laughs> but Sapphire, you're so, yeah, I was just going to say, you're so great. I, I really appreciate you for coming on. And before I let you go, let's, um, okay, where can everybody get 
the lip chat because this stuff, I swear to God, I keep it by my bedside every day. Oh, and also I found out the hard way it's not toxic to dogs because <laughs> my dog was like, ooh, a ball. Oh, a ball that I can chew on and like totally ate the thing <laughs> and it's still okay. So it's not toxic. <laughs> so well, where can people get this? My dogs are the ones who pick those flavors. My dogs are like, mm, anyone that the dogs wanted to eat, I said, oh, okay, this is a good flavor. <laughs> yeah. like, hey, you can get it at SafariesLipChap.com. And that's spelled S-A-A-P-H-Y-R-I-S, lip, L-I-P, chap, C-H-A-P.com. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll put that in the description below the YouTube video. And tell us the name one more time of your nonprofit. It's developmental foundation. And I'm still building like a website and getting all that together. It's like, I just got my, well, I just get it. I ain't going to lie. I'm just, you know. <laughs> I just got it like six years I, ago. I, I, I set up, but I haven't built the website. I have somebody building it and they're taking forever. It's a pain in the they ass to do they all this stuff. One day and the next day they don't have COVID. I was like, Nate, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't have that together yet, but once it is, I'll definitely let you know that. Maybe by the next time we do the second one, I'll have that up and running so I can put that at the bottom. That sounds perfect. And obviously you're on Instagram. Are you, how do people find you on Instagram? It's at Safari, S-A-A-P-H-Y-R-I. Awesome. Anything else you want to plug before I let you go? Did we cover everything? No, I just love everybody and hope everybody that's watching this got some good information. And, um... That's it. Be ready for part two. Love it. Love it. You're awesome, girl. Thank you again so much. And I will reach out to you. Talk to you again very soon. Very soon. Bye, ladies. Bye, Safari. That was awesome. You got to love Safari. She's such an amazing, amazing person. Um, you guys are going to be excited about next week on Talk of Love. I am really stoked. I'm going to be bringing on London, who is the winner of Daisy of Love. He will be the guest on next week's episode of Talk of Love. Um, oh, I also want to tell you guys really quick. Um, last week, I ended up doing like a best of episode because I was not able to come in and do an interview because my husband was in the hospital. He'd had surgery done um, on, a, he had multiple discs that were uh, damaged in an old car accident. So I just want to let you guys know that my husband is doing great and he is recovering very, very well. He's expected to make a full recovery. He's sick and tired of being stuck in bed, but um, he's doing really, really well. I, we were, I was really worried for him. He was worried about himself, obviously, because he was in a lot of pain, but I was, I was just so worried about him. And I just want you guys to know you guys really gave me a huge outpouring of love and support. And I showed all of your messages to, to Johnny, my husband. He is so appreciative of you guys and all like the love and positive energy that you sent his way. I'm really appreciative of you guys. So I just want to, to say that to you. Thank you guys so much for being so, so kind and so understanding and so compassionate. I, I really, truly love you guys. I couldn't ask for a better group, group of people to be supporting this podcast. So like, thank you guys so much. You guys are the best. Um, so I guess I'll see you guys next week. As usual, if you guys like the podcast, please be sure to subscribe to this YouTube channel. Please click the thumbs up and share with your friends. And also be sure to come visit the uh, talkoflove.net website where you can click on the contribute button. If you become a contributor, there's all kinds of rewards there that you can check out, Skype chats with me, uh, video shout outs. Um, but also I added something new. I have a private Facebook group that is for contributors only. So if you become a contributor, even if you do the lowest tier, which is $5 a month, then you will automatically get to join the 
private Facebook group um, for the Talk of Love contributors. And all the money that you guys contribute goes right back into this podcast. So um, thanks again, you guys. I really appreciate you all. Love you all so much. And uh, I will see you next Monday. And don't threaten me with a good time. Bye, guys.